It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 on a Saturday morning, 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Good morning, friends. I'm glad you're here. This is an hour, two hours more of garden questions and answers. All you have to do is ask me, what do I think about this or that or the other? 404-872-0750. I'll give you good research-based information, a little bit of experience on my part. Stories to tell. Stories about chiggers. I'm chigger-bitten this morning, and I don't want to talk more about that, but I will say that the little itches have not gone away, and I continue to find little itchy places on my body, which I have to attend to during the broadcast. Good thing I'm not on television, because I would be pretty distracted as I try to put my thumb underneath my armpit right there. Mary is in Douglasville, has never had a chigger bite in her life. <laughs> hey, Mary, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Have you had chigger bites, Mary? Never. Bless never. your heart. What have you done? What righteous life have you lived not to have chiggers? I, I, I don't know. If I have, I didn't know they were chigger bites. You would know. Really? Insatiable itching. That's the best description I can, I can I give you. I don't think so. From the north. I don't think we have chiggers in the north. No, it's too cold up there. It keeps the chiggers <laughs> <No>. out. <laughs> and chiggers down here keep the riffraff out, except strong, sturdy people like yourself, Mary. Oh. We, we welcome you. How can I help this morning, Mary? I just want to know, when can I, I trim my Tardiva hydrangea? It's ah, very tall. Yeah, yeah. You know, after it finishes blooming, and Tardiva, the blooms stick around for such a long time, you know. Right now, it's still reasonably attractive, and so you can wait until October, November, December. It doesn't really matter because they bloom on new wood, and so you don't really have to worry about uh, what time of year you, you prune much to much less, you, you certainly do worry about the time to prune the mop head hydrangeas because they have to be done during the summertime. But the Tardivas, anytime between now and February. Now and February. Now okay, and February. I get cut about two feet off? Whatever size you like, basically. Oh, okay. It's going to sprout out from wherever you make your cut. It's going to sprout out growth about two feet, three feet, maybe long. And so if you have a constricted space, you have to think, okay, I need to cut down three feet below where I want it to be next June. So that's the sort of mental calculation you make. Below where you want it to be. Below where you want it to be because it's going to make two feet at least, of growth every Wow, year. so I could cut it down quite quite a lot. A lot of people do. Okay. Some people leave them alone, and they get six or seven, eight feet tall. I know, it's very tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things, Mary, that um, I just posted on my website is a description of how to prune, not Tardiva, which is one kind of panicle hydrangea, but there's another kind that we call the PG, uh, yeah. Paniculata grandiflora, and they're the ones that have the great big dense white Flowers, limelight is the, that kind of uh, right. PG hydrangea. And there is a good, I think, now description of how to prune it on my website, plus a video of a guy up in New York somewhere showing how he pruned his. And it has much the same information. You prune back to a place below where you want it to be next year. Oh, okay. And so you can look at that if you want to. But that's for the PG hydrangea, and your uh, Tardiva is a little bit different, but not terribly different from that. 
Well, I'm going to start cutting between now and February. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. After the, after the blooms. Welcome, South Mary. Glad to see you. Glad Thank to you. talk to you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. It's 11 minutes past the hour. That gives Lee his turn. Lee is down in Newton in, in Noonan in Coweta County. Hey, Lee, good morning. Good morning, sir. How long have you lived in Coweta County, Lee? Uh, I built my house in 1988. And where did you come from before that? Uh, Riverdale. You're a South Atlanta guy. Look at you. <laughs> yes, sir. I got some uh, sweet gum trees in the back, Walter. Yeah. Uh, I probably got about eight of them back there, and they're probably, I don't know, 35 feet tall. But here lately, I've been picking up a lot of broken limbs, and uh, other than the, the annoying balls, I'm yeah. wondering if I'm having any trouble with the trees. It is the nature of the beast. Oh. Beside those nasty balls on sweet gum trees, the other thing to know about sweet gums is their wood is relatively brittle, and then they drop limbs. Sometimes not small limbs, sometimes big limbs, four inch in diameter limbs. Sometimes not right. at the trunk either. Well, four or five, six feet away from the trunk, they just pop out and bang, boom, and all of a sudden you got a big limb in the yard. And my friend uh, Art Morris, who works for Bartlett Tree Services, Bartlett Tree Experts, I should say, here in Atlanta, explains it to me, and he says, more physics than anything else. It's because the landscape trees that we have, you, Lee, down in Noonan, have trees that maybe get a little more sunlight, a little more fertilizer than they would normally. And the limbs load themselves out on the ends. And when you went to high school, you remember physics, you know, know about levers and fulcrums and things like that. And he said the point at which the most force is being applied to the limb is five to seven feet away from the trunk of the tree. And that's why sweet gums have the brittle wood while they pop out at that, at that point. Wow. Okay, Walter. I'm just something I'm going to have to live with unless I take them down. Okay, sir. I sure appreciate it. Where did you go to elementary school, Lee? Uh, well, we actually we lived in Riverdale, and then um, uh, I went to uh, we moved to Fairburn, Georgia. Right. So, and then I moved to Noon, and I forgot about Fairburn. So, <laughs> I went to uh, Joseph H. Huey Elementary School. Oh, Huey Elementary, sure, 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 sure. I had 4-H clubs in uh, Clayton County when I was a young, young, young extension agent. That was my job, was to organize 4-H clubs at elementary schools. And so I went to Huey, to Haney, to Church Street, to uh, uh, all those elementary schools. In fact, I don't think there was a single school in Clayton County that I did not have a 4-H club at. And for many of them, for Souter Elementary and Lee Street Elementary, I can still remember the day and the time that I have to be there to be in front of the 4-H club in the 5th or the 6th grade. It'd be you know, Wednesday at yeah, 9 o'clock and Thursday at 4. Yeah, a lot of changes, but still I remember my time in Clayton County very fondly, Lee. Yes, sir. You have a good day, Walter, and I appreciate you. Yourself the same. Thanks for calling, Lee. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. 14 minutes past 7 o'clock, 404-872-0750. Wiley wants to do a project this fall, and I think he'll be successful. Wiley, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning. Top of the morning, Walter. Top of the morning to you as well, my friend. What can I do for you? Walter, this, this spring I had a great stand of butternut lettuce, and it lasted a long time. I, yeah. I'm lucky that in the, in the morning I don't get a lot of direct sun, but midday to the end of the day I get sun. My, my my question is, I'd like to do another uh, fall garden with lettuce, but sure. considering the heat, am I wasting my time right now? Some years, yes, and some years, no. It all depends on how the heat lingers. 
If it stays 90 degrees for another two weeks, planting seed now would be dumb and a waste of your money. On the other hand, if Kirk were suddenly to say, well, a cooling trend looks like it'll stay with us for the next uh, month or so, and we start seeing temperatures in the 80s and they drop pretty steadily for the next two or three weeks down into the low 80s, that is lettuce planting time. So now, no, don't plant lettuce seed. They're going to waste and, and not come up very well, not germinate very well because of how high the soil temperatures are. But when the soil temperatures get down into the mid-60s, about right, that'd be about right, that's when lettuce seeds germinate. And as you know already, the cold weather doesn't really hurt them all that much until it really gets freezing in December. And so you can have a nice fall crop of lettuce, sure, if you time out the seeds pretty well during the late fall. Okay, that's what I'll do. As always, thank you so much, Walter. Have a great day. And I haven't seen yet. Well, Wally, I don't know if you've looked or not, but I went to Pike the other day, and they had not gotten their uh, fall cool crops, the broccoli and um, Brussels sprouts and various other things like that yet. But I'm looking for that to come pretty soon when that happens. That's another thing you can plant besides lettuce is the cold crops, the collards and broccoli and things like that. Thank you, Walter. All right, Wally, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Again, 404-872-0750. I think think we have time for Saeed here. Saeed, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, friend, how you doing? Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, I have a a squash vine, and I planted this in the month of April. Yes. And uh, since then, it has been, like, growing like anything. It's uh, climbing on top of the roof and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There is a... No flowers at all. Oh, man. No flowers at all. Male or female, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Hmm. Nothing. The only thing that I can think of to explain that, Saeed, sometimes if you fertilize a vine more than really it should be fertilized, it will spend all of its time growing new growth, young juvenile growth, and young juvenile growth is not going to make many flowers. That's the only explanation that I commonly can think of. Wow. Okay, it may have been that same that thing, you know, because I use that Miracle Grow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to Miracle Grow, but many of my colleagues refer to this whole situation as Miracle Grow disease because Miracle Grow is so easy to apply, such a fabulous product. But boy, oh boy, you can get a little bit too much, and all of a sudden the vines are all over the house and no flowers and no fruit at all. Right. So is there any remedy to it? Uh, stop fertilizing. <laughs> that would be number one. And say you may get flowers. Don't give up on hope for squash flowers and squash fruit on your plant. you still got several, several weeks of warm weather. And I if you stop okay. fertilizing now and have good sunshine, talk to me in, oh, the late part of September, and let's see if we don't have squash by then. Okay. All I right. got it. All right. Thank you, sir. I, I'm not fertilizing anymore. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling, Said. All right. Thank you, sir. It's 7.18. Eight, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And time for a weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Another typical summer day in Atlanta. Zero surprises. Mostly cloudy, mostly clear skies today. Only 20% chance of a stray shower. 
Afternoon highs in the low 90s, mostly clear skies tonight. It's dropping into the low 70s at 73 degrees right now. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Peggy is out in Carrollton and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Peggy, good morning. Morning, Walter. How are you? I am well. How can I help? I have, um, I planted last fall four cherry dazzle um, crepe myrtles. One of them is doing well. The other three are kind of, you know, puny. Uh-huh. So I got some 10, 10, 10. Um, and I wanted to see, um, since I need to use the rest of the bag, what else I can use it on. <laughs> Everything. Okay, so I have butterfly bushes, knockout yeah. roses. Yeah. Yeah. I have a river birch. That's kind of about it. All right. Here's the corollary to the caller just before you when I said we sometimes refer to a problem as being miracle grow disease. You can also have a disease called 10-10-10 disease because it is so easy to find, so easy to use, and so quickly absorbed by plants that sometimes you have the same situation of plants getting so much fertilizer at one time that either the roots are burned or the plant grows in enormous leaps and bounds that you really didn't intend. So 10-10-10, that's it, 10-10-10 can be put out very lightly just before a rain is the best time to do it because then the rain washes it down to the soil but not a lot at this time of year again most things are beginning to slow down a little bit there's really no need to stimulate them into more growth and so it doesn't hurt them at all it might stimulate a little bit of final leaf production final little hardening and everything by the fall time but for 10, 10, 10, what do we say? About 10 pounds per thousand square feet is about right for putting 10, 10, 10 on a gardener landscape. Fabulous. Thank you so much. 10 pounds per thousand, and you do the math, then, Peggy. You have to figure out, okay, so it's 10 <laughs> pounds per thousand, that'd be one pound per hundred. And how many hundred square feet do I have around my butterfly bush? Yeah, math sometimes is your friend, and sometimes it's your enemy as well, but that's what you have to figure out, Peg. Okay, great. Thank you so much, you Walter. Bet. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. By the way, I always mention a couple of times during the show that if you don't get your question answered, or God forbid, if you're too shy to call me on the telephone, if you're too shy to call me, you can always go to my website at WalterReeves.com. The search engine on my website works best if you only put one or two words in, like tomato leaf spot, or zoysia disease, or fescue sod, or fescue varieties, or something like that. And so go to my website. You can follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and uh, I'm hopeful that we're going to work a little bit of Twitter twittering into the show in the next couple of weeks, by the way. And uh, you can follow me on Pinterest as well. And one of the things that I really enjoy about Pinterest is you post pictures there. If you know Pinterest, you know what I mean. You have pictures of things that you see online, and you save them into albums and stuff like that. And I only have two albums. One is called Garden Projects, just cool, neat things that I think maybe I should do in my own garden. And the other one is the one I think is most useful, and that is Weed Identification and Control. Nothing but pictures of weeds you'll find in your garden. And so if you want to go to Pinterest, if you have a Pinterest account, you can look me up as Walter Reeves. And if you don't have a Pinterest account, you can sign up. It's free and easy and look for Walter Reeves. Get all these pictures of weeds that you can identify. Later this morning, Ashley Frasca will have a weed. We'll have the weed of the week. We'll find out the next weed that Ashley has found in her or her mother's landscape. And we'll identify that and talk a little bit about control as well. We'll be back right after news. It's the law.
Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 735, 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful, bring a little happiness into your life, and give you the landscape you want by not doing too much work, because I don't like work. I don't like it at all. I like telling other people how to do it. That's what I mostly do on this radio show. All you have to do is call me 404-872-0750. In a classic case of making lemonade out of lemons or one person's problems or another person's opportunity, we have the Weed of the Week every week, where we feature a weed that Ashley Frasca has found in her landscape or her mother's lawn. What is our weed this week, Ashley? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had had a caller that called to ask you about coffee weed, yeah. which with little yellow flowers, which yeah. I thought was really neat. And I had taken a picture of a weed that I thought, oh, this is for sure coffee weed. So I showed it to you, and it was mimosa weed. So ah, I kind of did a comparison this yeah, week. Yeah, okay. The two look similar. They have tear-shaped leaves right. that are evenly spaced oh. along the stems, and... Well, I, the coffee weed flowers, I don't, I don't know if the mimosa weed does, does it? It has flowers, but they're too minuscule to look at. You don't want to talk about their flowers. But what made both so unique was when their water source was taken away or they were exposed to heat, All just right. within a minute or two, the leaves along the stem close up Scoot towards up. each sure. other and yeah. just kind of droop, and I thought that was so fascinating. That is interesting, and you're correct. Both of them similar to each other when water is taken away, or I think the coffee weed actually do it at night, too. They scrunch up their leaves real tight with each other. And so you got a picture of it? I do. Folks can go to wsbradio.com, and in the search bar, just type Weed of the Week, or they can type in Coffee Weed or Mimosa Weed and kind <laughs> right. of do a side-by-side comparison. Sure. I thought they were very uniquely similar. Another thing, if you have any doubt about what weed you have, you can go to wsbradio.com and just type in Weed of the Week and see some pictures of Ashley's weeds. You'll know that if Ashley has them, you probably do, too. All right. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. We'll have uh, the uh, Weekend Prize Pack in just a minute. Ashley will participate in awarding the Weekend Prize Pack after a little while. DJ is out in Stockbridge, and DJ joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, DJ. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How can I help? Um, I actually have a Bermuda lawn, and I basically, you know how you can coax it along, and I coaxed it over the last five, six years all the way into my backyard, and uh, I was just about done. I had, let's just say, it was going from right to left. And um, two weeks ago, or about a week and a half ago, I'm mowing, and I mowed just that way, right to left. And uh, the front yard is still fine. The backyard is exactly halfway between the right side and the left side. Right. It went brown. It looks dormant. And um, the weeds are still okay. <laughs> They're always good. Broadleaf weeds. But even the, the, the crabgrass, the little bit that was in there that I was trying to get out, yeah, it turned brown. Huh. And I was just like, and it's 
it's really crazy. Um, yeah. So if the broadleaf weeds are, are still healthy and green and all that, that tells me you most likely this is not a herbicide issue. You didn't put any Roundup or something out there that killed everything out, or the green weeds, the broadleaf weeds wouldn't be so green. And so what I'm wondering then, is there any chance that that is a, the wetter side of the yard? Because that's something Bermuda grass does not like, is being in wet areas. So any chance of that? It, there is a slope. The right side is higher than the left side. Uh -huh. But then, then it does drain from, from the house away a little bit. So there's still a slope. Hmm. But, um, and I thought that the water, I was trying to figure out if it was the water or right. something. And the right side does get a little bit more sun mm -hmm. than the left side, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's strange inside of five feet, the transition. I'm going to say, DJ, I mean, not being on site to do a real look see with my eyeballs, I'm going to say this is probably an environmental problem not herbicide we've already eliminated that it either is too much water or the soil on one side of the yard is a little harder than on the other side because that's where the bulldozer came and scraped it to build your house and so the grass isn't as well rooted on that side than it is on the other comparatively so that's where i'm going to lean right now an environmental problem not a disease problem not a fertility problem you fertilize both sides the same i'm sure now, what it is specifically, what you can do about it specifically until I figure out, or you figure out more likely, DJ, about water, hard soil, something like that, then I don't have a prescription for you. But that's where I lean. It's going to be something environmental and something you are going to have to put on your, 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 your deer stalker hat and become Sherlock Holmes and figure out what it is and whether you need to aerate or to divert the gutters so the water doesn't flow there when it rains real hard or something like that. That's my guess. It is the lowest part of the yard. Uh, that's, I'm going to lean that way, DJ. Is it water? It has something to do with it, either water or real hard clay soil that's holding water longer than it should. So that's my guess. You get to figure out the rest of it, DJ. Thanks for calling. Great question, but I don't have a specific answer. But environmental, something's going on. That's what I think is going on with you. Lynn is in Atlanta, Georgia. And Lynn joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? So I have a massive, and I mean massive, fig tree. Mm -hmm. um, it's at the base of my deck, and my deck's a second-story deck, and it goes all the way up to the top. Nice. And so I, you can sit on the deck and pick figs and eat them. That's pretty much what I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this year was the first year. The tree's about six years old. This year was the first year. I mean, I had a lot of figs last year, but I had more figs that I could handle this year. Great. Okay. Um, and I managed to get to them before the birds. So now it's a little bit too big, and I need to cut it back. But I noticed this morning when I went out that there's already new leaves. Yeah. Like it's growing at a hugely fast rate. So I need to trim it back. And I guess wondering how I do that to both for both sides and to make sure I still get figs next year or if that's. I'm going to give you possible. one thing that you need to go to the craft store and get, and that is a little hank of yarn, red yarn. Because okay. what I'm going to propose to you is you do a type of pruning called drop crotch pruning. And okay. drop crotch pruning is a way of just removing limbs all the way back to where they originate, not 
halfing a limb by just going out to the tips and taking, oh, I need two feet off of that, and you cut off two feet off the end of the limb, <laughs> that, which is the normal impulse for a lot of people when they prune anything. It's just with a chainsaw or pruners halfway off, that's it. But drop crotch pruning is going back all the way to the origination point of a limb and taking it off. The reason I want you to have that red yarn is because drop crotch pruning is the kind of thing that you need to stand back and look at it for a minute before you actually make the cut with your saw. And with the red yarn, you can wrap it around the limb at the base of whatever limb you think you're going to take out and tie it there. Do the other limbs around the fig tree that you think they're pretty good candidates for being taken out. Stand back, get a spouse or somebody, a friend to come look at it and say, okay, if I take this one and this one and this one and that one out, is that going to reduce the size of my fig enough to make it small and compact, but still not take off the tips of the branches? That new growth is where a lot of figs are produced. And I don't want you to do any halving, cutting, chopping, because sometimes the new growth, if it's real prolific, is also going to be juvenile growth, which won't make any figs. So drop crotch pruning slow, thoughtful cutting, and reducing the size like that, Lynn, I think is going to be most profitable for you. So should I focus on the ones that are growing up? Because I know the figs go on the ones that more horizontal. More horizontal. Yeah, the, lim- the horizontal limbs are more figgy. Figgy limbs are the okay. horizontal limbs. Yeah. Yes, the ones that you'll remove mostly are going to be the vertical ones that reach for the sky. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll try that. All Thank right. you very much. Hank of Red Yarn. It's a, it's a tool, a garden tool you need. Michael's today. Thanks for calling, Thanks. Lynn. <laughs> oh, me, we got Paula in Canton, Georgia, and Paula joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Paula. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm pretty darn well. How can I help? Well, this is sort of crazy, but last year I planted um, climbing cucumbers, mm-hmm. plants, in an area that I had turned from grass into a garden, so nothing had been planted there before. And um, had a wonderful crop, pickled all kinds of cucumbers. It was great. So I saved some seeds from one of the cucumbers and decided I'd try growing them from the seed. Awesome. Well, planted them. They're climbing up the trellis. It's great. The fruit starts growing, and I've got multiple different fruit. Ooh. Cantaloupe size, cantaloupe type skin. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it was crazy. It either looked like a cantaloupe when you yeah. cut it open with yeah. the seed, or it tasted like pumpkin. Some of them tasted like pumpkin and smelt like cucumber. What happened? Pollination. Isn't it ah. awesome? Isn't this terrific? <laughs> this is fabulous, Paula. <laughs> that is one of the... To me, one of the most wonderful things about nature is simply the fact of chromosomal swapping around and predicted in, in ways you cannot predict. And I mean, in a sense, it's just like I don't look like you, and you don't look like Ashley, and Ashley, for God's sake, doesn't look like Scott. And so we have all sorts of different looks to people because of chromosomal swapping between our parents. And in your case, the cucumber vine last year got some chromosomes from somewhere else. It was not that cucumber. It came from somebody else's melon or cantaloupe or squash or who knows what. But the chromosomes came in by bee or butterfly, and they mixed with the chromosomes of your cucumber. And lo, this year, when you save those seeds and plant them, lo and behold, you get all sorts of things. And they're not harmful. They're edible, certainly. You decide what you want to eat and which ones you want to take pictures of and show to all your friends. But that's what's going on. 
Okay, well, that's what I did. I took pictures, and I showed, and I was like, try it. And people were a little nervous to even taste it. <laughs> Nothing it wrong awesome. with it. It's not going to hurt you at all, but it is a very fascinating thing to see the ways that cucumbers and melons and squash and things like that will cross-pollinate. And that's why saving seed for them can be can be problematic because of the cross-pollination that happens. All right, well, good to know, and thank you for all your help. Thanks for calling, Paula. Bye-bye. Great question. By the way, one of the other things you get, if you go to my website, you can sign up for the newsletter. And I send out an email newsletter every couple of weeks, really. And I'll tell you what was in this past issue. Let's see if I can open up my paper right here. Oh, we had all the venomous caterpillars that I could think of. Saddleback caterpillars and puss caterpillars and tussock moth caterpillars. All the ones that I thought you really need to look out for. I featured those in Garden Knowledge in the newsletter. So everybody has pictures of what these bad boys can look like when you get stung and don't really see anything to be stinging you. And then if you have tomatoes, I have pictures of leaf-footed bugs which get on tomatoes and make holes in the tomato and make little rotten spots all over the tomatoes. And that's the reason to subscribe to the newsletter is you get pictures of things that people have sent to me and say, what is this? And I describe it, diagnose what's going on, give a cure, give some suggestions on what to go to do with it. So if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, just go to WalterReeves.com and up in the right-hand corner, click on that newsletter button and you'll be led to the right place. It's 7.48. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. SSDW, same stuff, different weekend. Hot, humid this afternoon. Highs in the low 90s. And overnight, not much of a chance of a stray shower here and there, 10% perhaps, and dropping down to the low 70s, 73 degrees right now. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. David is in Atlanta, GA, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Hey, hey sir, how are you doing? I'm all right. What can I do for you? Uh, need some guidance on trimming of tea olives and camellia japonicas the the tea olives are about two years old and they've gotten kind of really sprouty and they're about eight feet tall and not bushy and i need to figure out how to get them into a better shape and then the the uh camellias are like 15 feet tall and just completely leggy (laughs) all right Okay, let's start with the tea olive. Um, Tea olives bloom on both new and old wood, mostly on new. Okay. What that means is basically you can prune them just about any time you want to. Great, great. And you're going to get flowers at some point. You'll smell them, and you'll know your tea olive is healthy and happy. Is is there a preferable time of year? Wintertime, probably. December, January, February would probably be the best time. You won't have many flowers in the spring, but you'll have plenty of them the next fall. Okay. Uh, because you. the flowers. And how how tall should they really end up being? By end up, what do you mean? Well, how tall they want to be, or how tall you want them to be? Is, which is it just my my desired height? This guy. I think that's exactly it. Whatever fits into the situation you have. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. And the camellia japonica. So the buds are already forming on the japonicas, the ones that bloom in the spring. So, sort of like the lady that was telling about her fig earlier, if you remove the tips of the branches on the camellia, it's going to have no flowers next spring. But you're going to take yours down. You want to have it down much smaller than it is right now. And that being the case, 
if you prune it in hot weather, it doesn't recover very fast. It just the ambient temperature just limits the amount of the way the buds respond, and so the plant just looks like all stubs and limbs for the next three or four or five months, maybe. Whereas if you wait until the winter time, until February or so, then you look at sticks and stubs for a month, and then all of a sudden March comes and it's growing like crazy and it's green by April. You won't get any flowers, but okay. the real so, I mean, best time to do the pruning, if you really want to take it down by half or something like that on the camellia, would probably be, again, in cold weather. February would be a great time. Okay, but we'd be willing to basically give up one season of blooming. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay, thank you, sir. All right, nothing to it. Thanks for calling, David. Roll Tide. Our number on Lawn and Garden. One of Mickey Gasway's friends there. Our number on Lawn and Garden, 404 Eight seven two zero seven fifty. Get your garden question in and out. Mickey Gasway will join us from Pike Nursery. She'll be here at eight thirty-five. We'll learn a little bit more about uh, what the Pike Pick of the Weekend is going to be. Mickey, not Mickey Gasway. Ashley Frasca and I will give away the weekend prize back in a few minutes. We'll give somebody a nice prize to enjoy, a nice performance, and some things to enjoy as well. Right now it's seven fifty-seven. We'll be back to more lawn and garden after news. Hold me, hold me.